Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents As a child, my father would lock me in a cage. I now know why. Written by Peter Harrington and narrated by Jimmy Ferrer. As a child, I never understood why my father kept me in a cage. I was raised in a rural community, far away from any city. My dad was an arborist. My mom left before I could remember. For the most part, I spent my childhood isolated from other children. We would go to church sometimes, but rarely interacted with other community members. My dad hunted, and we mostly ate venison, waterfowl, and sometimes bear. Our house was a small shack deep in the mountains, so our human contact was minimal. Next to the side of the house was an opening to the cellar. What was down there still haunts me to this day. Once a month, my father would strip me naked and drag me downstairs to the basement. When I was young, I cooperated with his demands but I became more defiant as I aged. No, Dad, you're not taking me down there, I kicked and screamed. On occasion, I bit and scratched at him, making him bleed profusely. All the while, he stared forward and kept marching. The cellar itself was dark and cramped. He would throw me in and lock the door behind me. In the corner was an animal cage, about six feet tall, with a five-foot by four-foot base. In the dark, I could make out what looked like bones scattered across the floor of the cellar. I banged on the cage and begged him to let me free. This is for your own good, he often said. He never made eye contact with me on these occasions. He simply locked me in my cage, walked up the steps, and shut the cellar door, leaving me in darkness. The light that entered the room was so faint that even when my eyes had adjusted to the dark, I could still not make up the contents of the room. 
Those nights were horrid. At first, I felt a mild sensation of hunger, which soon turned to ravenousness. My mind would then lose a sense of physical language and turn into nothing but primal feelings. Anger, aggression, and a predatory sense of vengeance consumed me, and my mind became numb to anything resembling the human intellect. Lastly, I recalled the bodily contortions. My bones felt as if they were being stretched by an external force. Every single inch of my being ached. I was always able to briefly endure the pain until the external force became too much, and I was reduced to spasms on the floor. My limbs soon took on a mind of their own until I could no longer control my body. After this, I could recall nothing except a numbing neural force that reduced my consciousness into nothing but a void. And then, nothing. The following morning, my father would come down and awaken me. He woke me up in the same way every time, gently nudging me until I regained consciousness. I always found myself draped in a warm quilt and a pillow to rest my head. It's over, he often said. You can finally rest, as he led me out of the cage and into the light of day. I always recall more bones in the basement than the night before. This monthly cycle continued for years, and we barely mentioned these occurrences in our daily life. If I ever brought up the subject, his mood would suddenly change from his typical calm demeanor to one of extreme anger. Never ask me about that. His face would turn red during these outbursts. We don't talk about that. Do you understand? It was the elephant in the room that never left. Under each conversation, we both knew that the other had it on the brain. Yet. I soon learned it would be unfruitful if it ever reached the surface. Years passed, and I soon decided that I had reached my limit with this abuse every month. I began tracking the nights where he would take me down to the cellar, and I learned that this occurred every 27 days. On the 26th day since my last caging, I ran away from home a few days before my 18th birthday. I woke up at 3.30 a.m. with my bags already packed. I knew that if I cut straight through the woods, I could walk east until I reached the town. By the time I got to town, I would be 18 years of age, and I would catch the nearest bus and leave my father forever. I got out my compass and made my way east. The woods were still dark that early in the morning, but I knew it would give me a several hour head start from my father, who woke up at 6 a.m. sharp. I knew that if I didn't go in a perfectly straight line, there was a road that went north that I would come across, and I could follow that to town. 
I also could hitch a ride with one of the truckers on the road and drive my way to freedom. The sun rose, and soon my path was lit before me. The shrubbery was thick, and I often found myself crawling under bushes and cutting my way through white spots. While the landscape was difficult to traverse, I had an easy time walking in the correct direction. The sun began to set, and I felt a sense of dread. This was the first time I would not have been caged during those painful sensations. I then wondered if my father had indeed been looking out for me when he locked me up. You idiot, I said to myself. I covered my face and screamed. I had no idea what happened during those nights because I was unconscious during most of them. Perhaps Dan was only doing what was best for me. How could you be so stupid? I punched a nearby tree and stomped my foot in anger. It occurred to me that if I hurried, maybe I could make it back in time. Most of my path was clear, and I thought Dad could have been following me, and he would know what to do. I turned around and started running in the opposite direction as fast as I could. I was already well worn out from the day's hike, but I knew I needed to push forward. I had no idea what damage my blind stupidity could cause. The light of the sky grew dim, and soon it was night. I collapsed on the ground, completely out of breath. Just keep pushing, I said. I stood up and tried to continue forward slowly until I was all out of energy. I rested my head on the ground and looked up at the sky above. Through the trees, I could see a clear night sky. The moon came into view, looking fuller than I had ever seen it before. It was a complete circle. I gulped as a deep force within my brain came to the surface. I realized that I was starting to lose all sensation of thought and that my mind was turning primal. Stop that, I said. But my mind was overcome with primal emotions. Soon, my limbs began to ache, and I started to lose control of my body. I tried to scream, but what came out sounded more like the howl of a dog. The void kept forward in my mind and the blackness overwhelmed me. And once again, nothing. I woke suddenly as if I had been dragged out of the deepest trench of the ocean. In front of me was a bloody corpse of a man. My arms clawed at the man and brought his flesh to my mouth. I tried to stop it but it was impossible. There was another force controlling me. I was a helpless observer to my body, but I realized that my body didn't look like my body at all. 
My hands weren't hands, but claws. I was a creature covered in blood and hair. The claws before me grabbed more of the man's flesh and brought it to my mouth. I could taste the blood. I could smell my prey. And when my eyes darted to the man's face, I realized who it was. My father was there on the ground, grasping for any sort of life he could muster. Though I couldn't form coherent thoughts, the small part of my remaining intellect could make out my father's words. Son, he said, I tried to protect you. But now, you tasted human flesh. He coughed up blood as the monster controlling me continued to mutilate him. But now that you've tasted blood, you can no longer sleep. I saw a claw slash his throat and the life drain from my father's eyes. He was dead, and there was nothing I could do but watch as my father turned from a corpse to a pile of blood and bones. When there was nothing left of my father, the creature controlling me ran off into the night, howling and screeching. We ran darting up the side of the nearest mountains, and we reached the summit. The creature controlling me let out an immense howl. The rest of the night was a blur. I hunted prey and ran around the woods against my will. A relief came across me when I saw the first light of dawn. As the sky became lighter and lighter, I regained agency and I could soon think coherently again. I looked down and saw the monster's claws return to my human hands. The primal emotions began to fade, and I was quickly able to control myself again. Without thinking, I collapsed to the floor and began to cry. I cried for hours, naked on the ground of the forest. It was noon before I could stand up and try to find my way back to our little shack in the woods. It took me several days, but I eventually returned home. I opened the cellar and for the first time, I brought a flashlight with me. I looked around and realized that the bones on the floor were animal bones. My father had fed me live animals to quench my hunger as the wolf. He wanted me to never taste human blood. Now that I have tasted the flesh of man, I cannot sleep. I cannot forget what it is like to be a wolf. Now I live alone in the wilderness, even farther away than where my father and I had resided. I have broken into a house in the wilderness with an internet connection where I'm able to share my tale with you. I hunt for what I need as a human, and hunt for what I need as a wolf. Years have passed, and despite my best efforts, I have killed men and women. 
Those who choose to venture out into the wild are often unlucky when I am waiting for them. Their screams are so horrifying that I wish I could just sleep them away and forget. But I can never forget because I have now tasted the blood of man. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Creepy Presents I Am Alone Written by Steve as Amanda and narrated by Michelle Kane and Jimmy Ferrer. Day 12. I am so very tired. You think with everything going on, having no responsibilities, that I would be able to sleep for as long as I want. But that is not the case. This is the first time I'm writing anything down. Going almost two weeks without talking to anyone, and I think I'm starting to go crazy. All I have is my thoughts. I can't even enjoy the sound of nature. Just silence. Day 16. I realized a couple of days ago I never wrote down what happened. It's, it's really hard to explain because I barely know myself. I just woke up and everything was gone. And not like gone. Cars and buildings and uh, the bodies were still there, but everyone was dead. Even the animals. No birds, deer, dogs, or cats. Just dead. Just gone. That's it for now. I'm going to bed. Day 17. I thought, when the end of the world was going to happen, that we would be scrounging around for food. That's not the case for this, since everyone is gone. There is no food to share. Granted, all the fresh food is running out. Going bad, of course, but there is an abundance of canned food, preserved food, and food so soaked in chemicals it will probably be a century before it goes bad. I decided that I'm going to try to write in this as much as I can, since the only person to talk to is my stupid self. And this is making me feel a little less insane. Day 19. Well, write in this as often as I can remember. I made my way over to the radio tower in town. I'm not sure how far it reaches out, but in the morning, I'm going to try to figure out how to work it and see if I can make a broadcast so if there is anyone, maybe they will hear it. I'm going to crash at the tower tonight. No point in walking back home since it was like a 12-mile trip to get here. I don't want to waste the gas. I brought extra fuel in case there's a generator since the town, and I'm assuming everywhere, doesn't have power. Day 20 Well, that felt fucking useless I have no idea how to use a radio tower. 
it's not like they leave a manual just sitting around. And not like I can just Google this. No internet. But if anything positive came out of this, it would be that I remembered my neighbor has a CB radio. Maybe that might work. Fuck if I know. I spent like six hours working on the radio tower. Movies and TV shows make it seem so easy to turn on a radio tower and make a broadcast. Seriously, in Fallout, a mutant has a radio station. And my dumbass can't figure it out. (sighs) I miss games. I miss people. Day 22. I still realize I never explained what happened. Again, I don't know. I went to bed, and the next day was quiet. I woke up and got ready for work, got in my car, and headed over to the shop, but it was weird. There were cars on the road, but they were just stopped in the middle of the road. All the people were still in their cars, just just dead. There were dead birds and animals all over the place, just like everything died at the same time. Except me. I don't know why or how. Maybe I died and this is my personal hell. I have no idea. I think mentally I'm still here, but I don't know how much longer I can take it. Day 25. Fuck it. I'm drunk. (laughs) Drunk. Fuck everyone for Lathan. I want to be alone. Hate everyone. Fuck. Fuck. Day 27. I think I had my worst hangover in my whole life was like a two-day hangover. Money isn't a thing. I didn't have much to begin with. But who's going to stop me from picking up three bottles of rum and drinking most of it? I don't remember the night, but I would take a wild guess it was a rager since I set fire to the whole liquor store. I guess no more drinking for me. Day 29. I'm leaving, leaving town, and, uh, well, I guess I'm going to go see if anyone else is alive. Because if I truly am the last person, I don't want to be anymore. Day 33. This is probably one of the slowest road trips I have ever taken. I have only made it about maybe 360 miles out of my state. From Washington. I am somewhere on the edge of Washington and Idaho. I haven't in an incredibly long time used a book map. You know the maps of the country in a book that shows all the highways and interstates? The ones back in the day before we had Google Maps. So I'm somewhere north of Lewiston, Idaho. I don't really have an exact plan of where I'm going, just driving and hoping I find someone alive. Even seeing an animal walk about would be exciting. I don't think you realize how silent it is. 
like someone hit a giant mute button for the world. No animal sounds. Of course, no sounds of machines, electricity, or people. Just utterly hushed. Day 34. When I left Washington, I put about five portable gas containers in the back of my truck. Enough supplies to maybe last me about a month. I figured, since I'm the last person here, that I don't have to worry about stores being low on food. But I brought a month worth just in case I go to the middle of nowhere with no stores. You know, be prepared. I also figured, since no one else was going to be using gas, I didn't have to worry about gas being tapped out. Does gas go bad? Day 36. I don't think people really understand loneliness. I do. It's been, what, like 30-some-odd days, and I haven't seen a single person, a single animal. Nothing. And you don't realize how deafening the silence is. Like, you spent most, if not your whole life, around sound. That light humming sound of electricity. Netflix playing in the background. People in your house making noise. The traffic outside. Sounds of alarms, car doors opening and closing. There was so much sound. And now, there is nothing. I would give anything to have noise again. To even hear the sound of a car alarm would be heaven. Something other than the never-ending silence. I have screamed my voice to oblivion, hoping someone will scream back at me. But there is nothing. No one. No one. I don't, I don't know if I have it in me anymore. Day 37. This might, this might be my last entry. I've made it into Utah and still nothing. I just, I can't. I'm so tired. I have been going day and night, traveling, hoping. But you know what hope gives you? Disappointment. Endless disappointment. Oh, and P.S. I saved a bottle of rum from my fire. Uh, accident at home, and I think drinking it tonight might be good. Day 45. Let's say when it came time to pull the trigger, I was a coward. I couldn't do it. I broke down and sobbed the whole night. I would say with full confidence that I am an ugly crier. Snot pouring out of my nose, slobbering out of my mouth like, like some wild animal. I cried uncontrollably for hours, holding the only gun I owned, and I couldn't do it. I screamed for someone, anyone. Next thing I remember is waking up. I don't know how many days later. I must have passed out. I woke up outside, almost frozen, staring up at the sky. I think I'd laid there for a few more hours before I crawled my way to my feet. 
and stumbled my way back into the motel I had been staying at. Thinking about it, I don't know why I didn't find the nicest hotel in the city. Maybe I'm trying to be humble. <laughs> right. I'm just stupid. Day 47. I heard a noise. A noise that wasn't me. I think it was a bird, maybe. It feels like it's been years since I've heard a sound that wasn't me, but I'm pretty sure it was a bird. Or I'm just, or I'm just losing my mind. I tried to find it, stared up into the sky for a few hours, walking around the trees nearby to find it. Never did find it. But I know, know for a fact, I heard something. Day 49. I haven't heard anything since the supposed bird I think I heard. Maybe my mind made the sound up. Like, like you know when you have auditory hallucinations and you hear a sound or like your mom calling your name? But no one did. Maybe it was like that. Maybe I am so devoid of sound that my brain can't take it. Who knows? Not like I can make a doctor appointment to get it checked out. See if I'm going insane or not. I mean, who wouldn't? Day 52. So decided to continue to travel. To find someone alive. I have made a promise to myself to keep going. At major roadways like overpass signs to spray paint the direction I'm going. So that if there is anyone left and they see that, maybe they can follow it. I don't know. Plus, a positive about this is I can sightsee while I travel. Don't have to worry about traffic, both cars and people. No crowds. I think my goal right now is to head to Florida. Florida is a crazy place. Like, if anyone is left alive, it has to be Florida, right? Day 83. Well, I made it to Florida. To Orlando. To Disney. I haven't heard or seen anyone or any animals. I really do think I'm alone. But I have never seen Disney. I couldn't ride any of the rides there. There was no power anywhere. But it was nice, excluding the decomposing bodies all over the place and the rancid smell that filled your nose. Maybe I'll come back someday. Maybe. Day 120 or so. I'm still alive, unfortunately. Day 125. I think I'm going crazy. I'm making my way up the eastern seaboard. Slowly. I stopped in the Maryland, D.C. area. Found a pretty decent house that was for sale, but had like furniture in it for showing. Decided to make this my home for a few months, because it is getting cold. It started to snow a little, too. I gathered a bunch of oil and gas and found a generator. Also found a solar power generator so the house I'm staying at can have some type of power. It has a wood-burning stove so I can stay warm. But... Back to the crazy part. I left the oil and gas outside in the shed. N no reason to be in the house. I lock the shed. No idea why, but I do. 
and I came out to the shed today, and the lock was broken. <laughs> am, I, am I not alone? I'm going into the city to see. I, I don't know, to, to see if anyone's still there. Hello. You are not alone. I've heard you. Day 128. What the actual fuck? I didn't write this. There is writing in the journal that is not mine. It says, hello, you are not alone. I did not write this. I left the journal at home when I went into the city. I didn't find anything or anyone. Empty. Alone. Just like everywhere else. I come home to write this down, and I find this writing. If I'm not alone, where are you? Why are you hiding? Please, please, I can't take this anymore. Please come out. Who are you? Day 129. Since yesterday, I haven't heard or seen anyone. Where are they? Why did they write this and just disappear? Why didn't they stay here? If we are the last two people on Earth, why are they hiding from me? I have to go to the store to get some food. Lucky for me, the supply of food isn't a problem. At least not yet. I'll be back later. Maybe I'll get some wine. Day 129. Okay, I just got back from the store. There was a note on the door. The note reads, You are not alone. I've been following you since Utah. I had to make sure you were safe. Not crazy. And I have to say, it was questionable. But I think it's time we meet. The note gave directions to out of town. Not far, like, like 15 miles or so. I'm going in the morning. Gonna leave. Pack a bag, some food, fuel, and head out. I'm so excited. But I'm so nervous. Like, I haven't seen or talked to anyone in almost half a year. Are they male or female? Kind of freaks me out if we're the last two people. We'll have to create new people. I don't, I don't think I want to do that. Could I push a child out? I don't know about that but I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm going to eat a good meal tonight. As good as it gets with a meal from a can. Get a good night's sleep and head off. <laughs> Wish me luck. Day one. She never knew. Never suspected anything. She was alone. Somewhat. I heard about her in Utah. She was so alone, so beautiful. I watched as she tried to pull the trigger, as she trembled when she slipped the gun in her mouth and wished she could end it. She left directions everywhere she went, hoping, hoping someone will come out here and yell, You are not alone. I'm here. But no one ever did. I watched as she took her clothes off and washed her breasts in frigid water. 
slipping off her panties and rubbing the soap all over her body, quietly sobbing to herself. Every few days it was the same routine, cleaning herself and crying as she did it. I wanted to show myself then, but I never did. I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted the first time we made love to be magical. But she was so lonely. I had to make sure she knew. So, I left a small note in this journal. I think she went searching, but never found me. I didn't want to be found yet, but I was ready. I left a note, gave her directions out of the town. I set up a small cabin. I, of course, had to make sure she made it, and she didn't get spooked. I haven't seen anyone else except her, and she was all I wanted. So I set up a few traps, made sure she had to walk directly through them. Granted, I probably should not have used bear traps, but that was all I could find. I knew she was here because I heard her scream. It was so beautiful. I ran to her, being her knight in shining armor, whisked her away and tended to her wound. She was so thankful, so happy to see me. I couldn't believe it. I finally got to touch her. I didn't have to wait for her to get herself into a drunk stupor and pass out to touch her. We are going to have a beautiful life together. No more people to interrupt us. I don't have to worry about her getting bored and fucking some other guy. Because <laughs> I'm the only one left. Day three. The first time we made love was... Well, difficult. She fought hard in the beginning, but eventually succumbed to me. I think part of it was she was in pain. Her ankle got rather infected and I had to remove it. I didn't want to leave to get medicine, afraid she might break from her restraints. So I used the old cauterized method. And I do say so myself, it's healing quite nicely. I have never been so in love like I am right now. We no longer have the distraction of every day that limits us. We have every day of our lives ahead of us. I don't know what miracle fell upon us and killed everyone. But I thank it every day. One day we will have kids. One day, she will see what an amazing person I am and stop screaming for help. I love hearing her scream. But it is coming to a point where it's taking a toll on me. No one can hear you. If she doesn't stop soon, I'll remove her tongue. I haven't had tongue before. 
I wonder if it's chewy. For more information on this podcast, including how to submit your own story for consideration, please visit creepypod.com. You can also follow us at CreepyPod on social media and YouTube. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons Sharealike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. (laughs) The only thing I could hear was 7219 (laughs) laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.